Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be right back with today's guest, but first let's hear from our podcast sponsors. We want to say thanks to Final Forms, the industry leader in registration. But you have to know this, Final Forms is more than just registration. Final Forms is a team, it's technology, and it's a service that provides schools with things like uh, compliance, communication, and risk management solutions. Uh, it's time for you to talk with a team that's walked in your shoes. To take the next steps and find out what Final Forms can do for you, go to finalforms.com forward slash Jake. That's finalforms.com forward slash Jake and find out exactly what Final Forms can do for you and your program. We also want to thank Huddle. Uh, they are the leader in streaming video sports. Uh, over 200,000 teams including some of the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate the performance of their teams using video and analytics. For more information about becoming a Huddle school, go to huddle.com and talk to their professionals. Remember, at Huddle, we power sports. We also want to thank Sideline Interactive for their support of the podcast. Okay. Sideline, Inter Sideline Interactive indoor scoring tables and video boards can generate $10,000 or more every year while also creating the ultimate game day experience for your athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com or call 832-786-0302 or email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. We also want to thank Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, their mission is to bring your school's legacy to life. They have uh, indoor touchscreen video consoles and a library of templates to help recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. Let them help you showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments by going to vitalsignswalloffame.com. You can call them at 614-981-3589 or you can email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. That's sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. We also want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack for sponsoring the AD Toolbox segment of the podcast. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack uh, allows you to collect comprehensive data that helps you evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. It also connects you with the parents and student athletes that really do love your program and helps them share how an, a positive athletic experience is so important for them. Go to athleticsurveys.com and check out their testimonials. Then give them a call at 1-800-738-6466, or you can email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. That's info at athleticsurveys.com. And we want to thank our good friends at Hometown Ticketing for their support. Hometown Ticketing is the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. You can find out more about what Hometown Ticketing can do for you and your school by going to hometownticketing.com and talk to their experts. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Hey, welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We've got a really cool guest today, Martin Davis. Uh, he's a longtime uh, coach. Uh, he's an author, also hosts his own uh, very popular podcast. 
And you got a new book out, 30 Days with America's High School Coaches. Uh, it's a really neat read. We're going to let him talk a little bit more about that. But uh, Martin Davis, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm really thrilled to be here today. Oh, well, we uh, we set this up a while back and uh, been looking forward to sitting down and talking with you. Uh, for our podcast, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us that five minute bio where you were born, where you grew up. Uh, obviously, there's some sports background, but, uh, you know, what's the Martin Davis story? Uh, the Martin Davis story is a story of a, a person with happy feet. Uh, I've moved around a lot. I've lived a lot of different places in my life. I grew up, though, in North Carolina uh, in the Research Triangle area. Um, uh, loved sports growing up. I was not very good at any of them. Uh, but being in North Carolina, growing up during the Dean Smith years and the Norm Sloan years and uh, uh, and unfortunately, the Mike Krzyzewski years, too. I uh, was sort of moving on to college when those years happened, but uh, grew up a huge fan of, of college basketball, obviously, on Tobacco Road. And uh, like every kid in North Carolina, spent a lot of time outdoors uh, with my friends playing basketball. I also love football. Um, and uh, somewhere in the back of my eyeball, I've still got a, a, a scar from running to the side of a brick house one day trying to catch a pass to, to prove that I liked it. Um, I was not a particularly gifted athlete, though. Uh, I, you know, I, I love playing. I love being part of a team, but uh, no one ever mistook me for a potential college athlete. Um, so consequently, I spent most of my time uh, in the classroom and academics. Uh, went on to the University of North Carolina at Greensburg, did a double major there, traveled on to uh, graduate school out at Cal Berkeley um, and the University of Chicago. And then I spent a number of years finishing up my doctoral work at the University of South Carolina. Uh, I actually didn't quite finish it, got almost there, but just kind of ran out of gas. Uh, but I did teach at university level for about 10 years. I taught history. Um, and uh, all through those years, I kept my hand in sports, um, uh, volunteer coaching. When I was at University of South Carolina, I did a lot of tutoring with, with college athletes, spent a lot of time with them. Um, and then uh, in recent years, I've gotten involved in high school coaching uh, here in my hometown in Fredericksburg, where I live now. And have been involved with that as football for a long time. I think the, the thing that's mattered most to me about sports when I was growing up, again, I wasn't a talented athlete. I was never going to play in college, uh, uh, all of which was good. But I, there's a, a, there was a moment early in my life, I guess I was around nine or 10. I love baseball, still probably my favorite sport. Um, you can find me listening to the Nationals just about every day, every afternoon, every evening, even when they are losing as much as they are right now. And uh, you know, I love playing baseball and um, I had a horrible time learning how to hit. I just, I could not hit the side of a barn door uh, with a baseball bat. If you, you know, gave me three chances to do it. And I had a coach one day, a um, good friend of our families, finally one day after watching me strike out for about the 900th time in practice, took the ball away from the pitcher and he said, all right, we're going to reset. And he stood about halfway between the mound and home plate. Again, I'm like nine years old, right? And, um, of course, the guys in the field are starting to hoot and holler and kind of have a little fun with it. And he started throwing these underhanded pitches to me and teaching me how to hit. And um, as basic as that was, um, it really was life-changing for me because it taught me you got to meet people where they are. And I went on to become a not a great baseball player, but I was a decent baseball player. Um uh, I played all through middle school and high school and 
Um, again, I was never going to play in college, but I became a fairly effective hitter. I was a pretty decent first baseman. Uh, but more importantly, what it did for my confidence, uh, what it did for making me realize that I'm part of something more than just me. That, um, you know, that stuck with me. I'm, I'm, I turned 60 years old in July, and that's still, that memory is still just as vivid as if it happened yesterday. And um, so that's, that's a little bit about what goes into me. Well, I always love hearing the stories in the background and uh, so very uh, cool. That, and again, those memories, uh, you know, from that person, that coach, uh, that moment in life um, that revolve around sports, I think are just so vivid for all of us. Uh, thanks so much for sharing that little nugget. Uh, for our listeners, our guest today is Martin Davis. Uh, he's a coach, he's a podcaster, he's an author, got a new book, 30 Days with America's High School Coaches. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back with some more. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank Final Forms for their support of the Educational AD Podcast. Final Forms is the industry leader in registration, but you need to know this. Final Forms is more than just forms. Final Forms is a team, it's technology, and it provides schools with compliance, communication, and risk management solutions. Final Forms can also help your stakeholders with mobile accessibility and reminders for parents about policies and physicals and all the forms that go with athletics. Final Forms can also help with team communication uh, with attendance and certification management for coaches and for athletic directors final forms can help with eligibility with rosters and all the reports that come across your desk and it does this with secure language translation and ada compliance you know it's time that you talk to a team that's walked in your shoes to take the next steps and find out what final forms can do for you go to finalforms.com forward slash jake that's finalforms.com forward slash Jake to get started and become a member of the Final Forms team. Welcome back, everyone. We're visiting with Martin Davis, uh, coach, uh, lecturer, and author. Uh, we're going to hear a little bit about his book later on, but right now, uh, Martin, you talked about that coach that uh, obviously had a big impact on you and your life. One of the things we try to do with our podcast is acknowledge those mentors that uh, have been so important. None of us get to where we're at on our own. So who are some of the other mentors that, that had an impact on your life? Oh, my goodness. Um, do I have to live with the ball of sports? No, not at all. Just okay. mentors. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, again, in the sports world, I would definitely say that that coach, his name was uh, Marshall Finch. Uh, Mr. Finch was the coach I referenced earlier. Um, you know, other coaches who've been really important in my life um, are the, I would say the coach I currently work with, Nathan Yates at Riverbend High School, um, enormously influential in, in helping me develop as a coach. Uh, but also develop as a human being and as a mentor to the young men and the, and the young women. I've actually had the good fortune of coaching another a number of young women in football, um, you know, sort of helping me understand how to do that. He's been hugely important in my life. Um, but I think, you know, other mentors are, are, are equally important. And I know that I encourage my athletes to reach out beyond the world of sports uh, to get to know people. And some of the people that have just meant the world to me, um, my graduate advisor, Dr. Robert Patterson, was uh, a very important figure in my life uh, in my early 20s and early 30s. Um, someone who spent an inordinate 
hours with me, not only talking about the subject material that I was fascinated in, which was medieval history, um, but just helping me transition to dealing with all the vicissitudes of life, the ups and the downs, the goods and the bads and the, you know, the failures. Um, you know, I, I think I told you earlier, I work as a, an opinion page editor of the newspaper here in Fredericksburg. And one of the challenges is having to write a column every day. Uh, and I recently wrote a, a column about the first time I went to an academic conference. And, um, uh, you know, I gave a paper that was well-received. Uh, and when I came off the platform, uh, the, the person who was going to critique it happened to be probably the most well-known medieval historian in the world at the time, Giles Constable. Uh, uh, just a prototypical English gentleman who absolutely shredded my work. I mean, shredded it. But he was so graceful, so tactful, and he did it in a way that showed me what I could become. Uh, and he never attacked me personally. He never questioned the amount of work I put in or where I was trying to go. And, um, you know, funny things, my advisor leaned over, he said, you know, you realize he just tore you apart. And I said, yeah, I did, but he was so nice about it. And he said, well, you know, um, he does that because he respects you. And that's another lesson I've never forgot that even when I have an athlete who is struggling, who was, you know, who makes a huge mistake on game night. Um, I, I think back on that lesson and how, you know, how I felt at that moment and how important it was for me to know that uh, a lot of good came from that moment. A lot, I learned a lot in those moments. Uh, so that was a, that was a huge mentor. I would say, other people in my life, I, I look back at bosses that I've had uh, over the years, co-workers that I've had over the years, really, I'm 59, so too many to, to, to really name uh, at this point in time, um, but also friends. And ironically, I would point to my three children, um, Andrew, um, Austin, and, and Lena. Um, all three of them now are um, almost adults. Lena graduates high school this year, but all three of my kids they're just very different human beings. Um, you know, one Austin now is a U.S. Marine doing extremely well. My oldest son is a writer and following in his dad's footsteps uh, and absolutely hated sports growing up, just hated it, still hates it. My son Austin was, um, he could have played college football, uh, turned the office down and joined the Corps. Uh, my daughter is just a bundle of energy and could care less about sports and, uh, you know, they remind me that um, as much as we want to shape kids and mold kids, they're also, they're hardwired a certain way. And there's, yes, there are things that you want to teach and help them learn and grow and do, but at a certain level, you kind of have to back off and let that hardwiring take over and trust that the lessons you give them will empower them moving forward to, um, to be the people that they're going to become. Um, so mentoring, yes, but also just being there as a support, uh, to be there when things fall apart, uh, to celebrate when things go well, even if you're not particularly crazy about the things that are going well. Uh, my oldest son writes about comic books for a living, makes a pretty good living at it. I hate comic books, can't stand them, but uh, you know, every time he calls to tell me about some piece he got written up, and you know, we celebrate those moments together. Um, so all of those people I would point to as, as mentors in my life. Uh, again, I love sharing the stories uh, and listening to them, of course, but uh, uh, I, I love the way you talked about, you know, how sports are so meaningful and impactful for you, but, you know, your, your kids could, you know, care less about the sports. Uh, and I always tell the story, uh, 
uh, growing up, my brothers and I got to work for my dad, who was a contractor. And, you know, we really didn't like it. You know, my dad was quite the taskmaster. Uh, but my dad loved it. He loved the designing and the building, the construction, everything. And uh, I think I was either in the seventh or eighth grade uh, one summer working for him, probably complaining. Uh, and he said, uh, Jake, you know, the secret to happiness is finding something you love to do and then convincing someone else to pay you to do that. And uh, <laughs> he, he had found that. And then that, that's how I uh, felt about sports and coaching and being an AD too. And, and, and obviously same with you about writing and, and everything. So it's just, uh, again, you know, we all have different likes and dislikes, but uh, if you can find something you like to do and, and get paid for it, hey, that's a pretty good gig. Okay. We are visiting with uh, Martin Davis, um, you know, coach, uh, lecturer, podcaster, and author. Uh, we're going to find out a little bit more about his new book that we're teasing you about, 30 Days with America's uh, Coaches. Uh, but first, let's take another break and hear from one of our podcast sponsors. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to say thanks to Huddle. Remember at Huddle, we power sports. Over 200,000 teams, including some of the best in the world, use Huddle to help their athletes play better using video and analytics. Huddle is the complete performance platform. They have online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras like the Huddle Focus. There's always been analytics, but there's a whole lot more. Huddle's also built for every level of play, from club and youth teams up through high school and college programs, and even the pros use Huddle to help their teams play at the highest level. You're in pretty good company with over 6 million users, including your student-athletes and the coaches of the teams you're trying to get to recruit them. If you want to find out more about what Huddle can do for you and your program and how your school can become a Huddle school, go to huddle.com and talk to their professionals. Remember. At Huddle, we power sports. Welcome back, everyone. We're visiting with Martin Davis. He's got a new book out, 30 Days with America's High School Coaches. We're going to hear a little bit more about that in just a moment. But Martin, uh, talking to you before we started the podcast, you know, you've had a, a pretty interesting career life, and I know you just started a, a new venture. So share a little bit with our listeners, um, you know, some of the things you've done and, and, and the thing that you're doing right now that's brand new. So thanks a lot for that. You know, I have had a, a varied career. Uh, as I mentioned, I started out in academics. I was going to be a college professor. I actually did that for about 10 years. Uh, love that work, um, but I also found it a bit constraining. So uh, in in the late 1990s, um, I'd always wanted to write for a broader group of people. Um, one of the challenges of being an academician is, you know, you spend months and months and months working on a project, and then you go to a big conference somewhere and you read a paper. And quite honestly, if two or three crotchety old men in the room understand what you're talking about and change a lecture or two, it's, it was a success. Um, and that's fine for what it was, but I wanted to do more. So I started writing um, and wound up with um, an opportunity uh, to, to come to Washington, DC. Uh, and there I went to work for National Journal Magazine. Uh, and, Serendipitous isn't the right word, but what happened to me was 
on September 11th, 2001, um, I was driving to work when the first plane went into the, um, into the towers in New York. I was on I-95 when the plane went into the Pentagon um, and saw the, uh, saw the, the smoke uh, arise from the Pentagon. Couldn't get into work that day. Obviously, they closed the bridge and turned everyone back around. Uh, the following day, I went into my office, and the editor pulled me in and said, uh, you've, you've studied this law, didn't you? And I said, well, yeah, it was the fourth reading field in my graduate studies, which means I read 30 books and I passed the test on it. It doesn't mean I understand this law. And he said, well, that's about 30 more books than anyone else in the newsroom has read. You're now covering terrorism. Uh, so for the next few years, that's what I did. It was, a, it was a real learning lesson, right? You talk about being thrown into the fire. Um, boy, was I, was I ever thrown into the fire on a national stage with a national publication writing about terrorism with people in positions of power taking what you say seriously. Uh, you know, it makes you grow up really fast. It makes you appreciate that you have to measure every word you say, that you have to be very, very careful uh, with accusations, you have to be very careful how you characterize things, um, lest people misunderstand what you're saying and, and go off in a direction that's not justified. Um, so, you know, that was a, man, that was a moment. That was a moment in my life. Uh, from there, I, I spent uh, a number of years, I covered education in Washington, D.C. for a lot of years. I still worry about education a lot. Uh, I... Uh, Gosh, there's not much I haven't covered in Washington. I've covered Capitol Hill and the White House. Um, I think most interestingly for a while, for about six years at US News and World Report, I wrote about the automotive world, uh, which was a ton of fun. I uh, get to drive new cars every week and, and all the fun things that come with that. I really enjoyed that. I've also got to travel the world a lot as a reporter, writing about um, how religion impacts society and culture in different parts of the world. Uh, one of the most eye-opening trips I ever took was to Brazil. And um, I got to see the impact that soccer has <laughs> in Brazil. I got to tell you, if, if you think American sports fans are fanatics, you need to go to Brazil in the middle of soccer season. You have no idea um, just what's going on. Uh, it, it really was a great deal of fun. Uh, every kid has a soccer ball. Every kid has got one on the end of their foot. From the time they can walk, it, it really was quite amazing to to see and partake in. I've, I've got to travel to Africa, to Southeast Asia. It's It's been a great life. I've had a lot of fun doing that. And now I work at the Freelance Star, a small newspaper in Virginia uh, as the opinion page editor. And I get to sort of pull on all those life experiences and, and write about my community, which I love. And a good chunk of what I write about is how sports affect our community and the impact that that has. So that's a little bit about sort of where I've been, what I've done. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, just, so many different areas I want to follow up on. We just don't have time, but very cool. And with all of that, you know, you've got a new book out, uh, 30 Days with America's High School Coaches. We're going to talk about that when we come back from our uh, quick sponsorship break. Uh, our guest again is Martin Davis. Uh, we're going to find out uh, about his book, 30 Days with America's High School Coaches, when we come back. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive for their support of the podcast. 
You know, it's becoming harder and harder to fund an athletic department these days, but sideline interactives, indoor scoring tables, and video boards can generate $10,000 or more every year while creating excitement in the gym and the ultimate game day experience for your student athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com or call 832-786-0302 to schedule a live web demo and see their tables and boards in action. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com and find out what these fantastic products can do for you. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. We're back with Martin Davis and uh, we're going to, you know, jump into his new book, 30 days with America's high school coaches. Uh, Martin, you've, you shared your love of sports uh, and also your love of writing, but, you know, and again, I guess the answer is obvious, but, you know, what motivated you to, you know, write this particular book and, and maybe why right now? So I think there are actually a couple of starting points for that. Uh, the first one was, I mentioned my son, Austin, who's in the Marine Corps. Uh, what I didn't mention is that Austin, a uh, very talented athlete, like I said, could have played college football. He had offers to play at the Division I level. Um, but he just hated school, absolutely hated it. And quite honestly, uh, you know, my wife and I, our biggest concern was just hoping he would even graduate. It, it, it was that much of a struggle. When he got to high school, um, one of the best things that ever happened was that we were able to step back and let go because his coaches could talk to him in a way that we just couldn't talk to him at that point in his life. And I really credit his coaches with getting him through school. Um, you know, when he would shut us down, when he would listen to us and hear it as nagging, uh, not concerned, his coaches kept him on track. And academically, he always did his best during the football season. Uh, my wife and I hoped every year the team went deep into playoffs because the longer he was involved with football, the easier our lives were. Um, so that was one thing that was always from in the back of my mind. But what really, I think, set the book off was when my son left for the Marine Corps, when he went to basic training, you know, we had lived, ate, drank, and slept football for five or six years with him. Um, he trained down at the University of Virginia, so every Sunday uh, he and I would get in the car and some of the fondest memories I have of my son Austin were driving back and forth to Charlottesville. It was about an hour and a half drive from Fredericksburg. So he could train with a, a guy, Jimmy Howe, who was who was a, was a four-year starter at UVA. Does a great job training young men here in Central Virginia. Um, you know, the time we spent together, I, I can't say enough about that. Um, but when he left, it left this huge void. So I called, they, they just changed coaches at Riverbend High School where he played. And I said, you know, my name's Martin. I, I'd love to get involved in coaching football. So you know, I, I don't know X's and O's, okay? I have not a clue about that component. I do know how to teach kids to kick. Uh, in the years that Austin played, one of the things that Jimmy insisted on was that parents learn what to watch for, learn how to help their, their sons and daughters become better kickers. Because during the week, we'd go to the field and they'd ask me, my son would ask me, what am I doing wrong? And because of what I learned from Jimmy, I could see what was going on, where he was making his mistakes. So I learned how to teach kicking that way. So I called the coach and he brought me over and I'll never forget, we went to his office and he had 
two punt protection schemes drawn up on the board. <laughs> and, and the first words out of my mouth were like, look, if you're, if you're looking for someone to do this, you, you got the wrong guy. You know, I, I'm not that, I said, I can get there, you know, give me time. I can, I can get there, but I ain't there right now. Um, and, but surprisingly he brought me on and I'll never forget the first week I was coaching. It was August in Virginia. If you've ever been in August in Virginia, it is miserable. You know, it's 110 if it's 20, and it's humid as all get out. But you're in Florida, you know about humidity. Uh, but it was it was just one of those days. It was it was just awful. I mean, I was drenched five minutes on the field, and we were working. I had two young kickers, neither of whom were particularly good. And I, in a week, I'd been working with them on sort of the fundamentals, and I had to change all their mechanics because they just they were going nowhere. So the coach wanted to simulate some pressure. So we put the whole team underneath the goalpost and had them screaming at them. And I just had them kicking extra points. And I mean, the ball was going under the post. It was going left. It was going right. It was going everywhere between the posts, right? And some kid at the end of the line, I heard him make a comment of how hard can it be to kick a ball 20 yards? And I absolutely lost my mind. And the coach was head coach was going to go talk to him, but before he could even turn, I am running down the sideline, just screaming, calling people out. I, I mean, I went berserk. Um, I'm not particularly proud of the language I was using or the way I behaved that day. Um, but I made my point, and um, I went home that night and I told my wife, I said, "Well, this is going to be the shortest coaching career in history. They're going to fire me tomorrow. Sure as the world." I actually wrote the coach that night and I said, coach, I, I lost my head. Uh, I apologize. You know, I'm sorry. If you need to let me go, I understand. He's like, no, you're fine. Well, fast forward to the end of the year when we're having our reviews. And I sit down, I figure, well, this is where they're going to fire me. And uh, he said, uh, the first question I have for you is, do you want to come back? And I said, I would love to come back. He said, great. You did a great job with our kickers, you know, these guys won two games for us this year and you didn't have much to work with. <laughs> and, you know, this is what happened. Um, we talked a bit more and then he said, now I want to go back to August. And I thought, ah, here's where the other shoe is going to drop and I'm going to get chewed out pretty good. And he said, there's something about that day. I want you to know. He said, when we were coming back up the hill from practice, we have about a, about a half mile walk from the practice field to the stadium or to the back to the locker room. He said, the kicker that day, he said, we were coming up the hill and he said, coach, uh, he said, coach Davis is kind of intense. It, and he said, yeah, he expects the very best from you. He, he won't accept anything less than your very best. And he said, they walked a little further and he said, he's got my back too, doesn't he? And he said, he absolutely does. He will go to war for you. And I began to realize, even when you're at your worst, if your first concern is for those kids you are working with, you really can't go wrong, even when you're not at your best. Um, and I was like, man, that's, <laughs> that's life-changing, right? And I had a great relationship with that kicker. Like I said, he won a couple games for us. And it just got me thinking about 
the real power of coaching. I've read a lot of books about coaching. They, a lot of them have to do with X's and O's. They have to do with uh, team building, this, that, and the other. But what I couldn't find were really good books about what it means to be a high school coach. A lot of good books about being college coaches, being pro coaches, but very little about how to be a really good high school coach. And so I went to Coach Yates, uh, Nathan Yates at Riverbend, and sat down and I said, you know, I've been thinking about this. I said, um, you know, we just got talking. He told me a story about uh, a relationship he had with a kid when he was coaching at another high school here in Virginia at Massaponics High School. And I wrote that story up and I thought, you know, I wonder, I wonder if this has legs. So I wrote it up as a sort of a sample chapter. And I contacted the heads of the National High School Associations in each of the 50 states introduced myself, said, here's a sample chapter. I'm curious if there are stories of coaches like this in your state that would be worth telling. And uh, probably 25 or so of the directors wrote me back with a list of coaches to talk to. Um, so I just picked up the phone, started calling these coaches out of the blue and said, you know, your state high school athletic director had suggested me, here's what I'm doing. You know, I'd like to talk to you about what it means to you to be a coach. And almost every time the coaches started off by saying, well, look, there's nothing special about me. You know, I'm just a high school coach. There's nothing special. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know what I could tell you. And I said, well, let's just start with you telling me about yourself. How did you get here? And after about a half hour, the stories just started pouring out. And I was about, I mean, I went into this fearing I would hear a hundred people give me the same story. I was about six interviews in and I realized I really had something here. Uh, no two stories were ever the same. And so over the course of about four months, I interviewed about 130 coaches across the country in more than a dozen varsity sports and just got this incredible range of stories about coaching. Some of it was about coaches and their personal relationships with, with players. Some of it was about coaches and, and how they wove into their school. Some of it was about how their work impacted the community at large. Some of it was about coaches and how they developed their personal coaching philosophy. Um, and other parts of it was how coaches continue to develop and evolve and get better as they stay through the years. And in those five broad frameworks, I identified five or six stories that became the individual chapters of the book and grouped them around those five frameworks and, uh, and told those stories. Um, but it was really that moment in August, and it was my conversations with Coach Yates that really sort of led to that. And I will tell you, I can tell you now, one of the most poignant moments for me was when the book was finally done. Uh, we were at the end of our season um, last year. I'd hoped to have the book printed by that time. It, it, it wasn't quite ready, but I had final page proofs for the book, and I got every member of our football team to sign that book for Coach Yates. And in our last practice, uh, when we did our um, ceremony for Players of the Week, you know, he, he called me and said, so Coach Davis is our special team player of the week. And I said, Coach Davis is taking a pass. I'm doing it last this week. He kind of looked at me a little funny. Uh, we went through the other coaches and then uh, they called me up. And so I, I called out the guys who I was giving special teams players of the week awards to. 
And I said, I got one more award to give. And I talked about the book and the role Coach Yates had played in that book and presented him with the, the autograph final page proofs of the book. Uh, really special moment for me, for Coach, um, for the whole team. You know, it, it was an experience that didn't just affect my life, but, you know, I brought every long, I brought everyone at Riverbend High School along for the ride. It was, it was a great ride. It was a lot of fun. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that story. And again, for our listeners, uh, I encourage you strongly to get the book. We're going to tell you how to do that. But uh, um, all the stories, just very, very, um, I'm not going to say snapshots, uh, you know, vignettes of, uh, you know, the impact that coaches and leaders and athletic directors, you know, can have. Uh, we're going to do this at the end of the podcast. But Martin, uh, if somebody wants to reach out and uh, maybe pick your brain a little bit, um, how can they do that? And also, uh, what's the easiest way for them to order the book? So uh, the easiest way to order the book is just go to Amazon.com and type in 30 Days with America's High School Coaches. Pops right up. Um, I'd love to talk to coaches um, all across the country about anything. Um, and so the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Martin D. Author. Um, that's my Twitter handle. Uh, you can also email me, uh, my email address, the easiest one, I've got about 12, I'm, uh, but probably the easiest one to get me at is M Davis freelance. That's all one word, uh, M Davis freelance at gmail.com. Okay. Martin Davis, 30 days with America's high school coaches. Uh, we're going to be right back. Uh, please stay with us. This is the educational lady podcast. We also want to say thank you to Vital Signs by Wall of Fame. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. They've got a variety of interactive touchscreen video consoles and an extensive library of templates to make it easier than ever to recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. Let them help you showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments by going to vitalsignswalloffame.com or to uh, call them, you can reach them at 614-981-3589 uh, or email, email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. That's sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. Hey, welcome back everyone. Again, our guest today is Martin Davis, the author of 30 Days with America's High School Coaches. A great book, really encourage you to get your copy. Uh, Martin, one of the things that we try to do with this podcast is the idea of sharing best practices. Now, you know, you're, you're certainly, uh, you know, familiar as a participant and as a coach, you know, with the world of athletics. I'm going to bet that you've seen some things that uh, are worth sharing. So uh, what are some best practices that you've seen that you can share with our listeners? So I think I'm going to pull from the people that I wrote about uh, in the book. Um, so one of the people that it really impressed me when I was writing the book was a man by the name of Barry Wartman, uh, who is in Tennessee, and I'm going to blank right now on the high school's name. Uh, but Barry, you know, really understands the power of sports, both for those who are gifted athletes and those who are not, but really buy into to sports. And one of the things that's so interesting about basketball, right, is that when you get to the high school level, there are only so many people who can play, right? There's, I mean, most 
teams are capped at what, 12, 13, 14, something like that. Um, so there are very few people who can actually take part in the sport. But Barry has built this program uh, at his high school, Blackman High School, that's it, at Blackman High School, where he's got the entire school involved. It's fascinating to watch. So among the things that he does is at the freshman and sophomore level, he will create as many JV teams as he needs to create uh, in freshman teams to allow anyone who wants to play, play. Um, and, you know, that's, that takes an enormous amount of his time and his effort, um, but he's committed to doing that because even though the vast majority of those kids are never going to play uh, at the varsity level. For two years, they are getting all the things that go into making sports so important for kids, right? It's the discipline. It's learning about team. Uh, it's learning about the importance of committing yourself to something and seeing it through. Um, and in Barry's case, it's also about learning to appreciate those around you who make it happen. So he actively makes sure that every day, his players, regardless of their level, go up every week and thank personally each and every one of their teachers, not just for supporting the team, but for the, for the, for the information that they've spent their weeks imparting to them. Um, he makes them thank the janitorial staff for staying after and doing the work that has to be done so that they can go and they can play. It's about thanking the bus drivers. It's about thanking the parents. And he forcefully makes these kids do this, right? I mean, this is a habit. It's a habit you develop. And he talks about, you know, after the sophomore year, that's when the really hard conversations have to happen because most kids, their, their, their careers are going to end after their sophomore year. But he goes a step further still. And he says, you know what? You're not going to be able to play basketball anymore. Uh, but you've got a real passion for, for math. Look, I need, you know, I need statisticians. Let's get you on the statistician side. Or you're really into videography. Let's get you taping our games. Or maybe you really want to be a coach. He's got a, he's got a junior coaching program where he's developing kids to become coaches in their community. Um, he gets kids involved. And maybe they find out, you know, basketball is just not for me. I'm just people like me, right? You love the game. You're not an athlete, and you figure that out pretty quickly, right? Um, but maybe their passion is music. Maybe their passion is debate. Maybe their passion is whatever it is. He has connections with everyone in the school, and he funnels these kids into these programs. So even when they leave basketball, they're going. They're not just leaving basketball. They are going into something that's going to drive the next two years of their life. Uh, in those years. And they're going to bring with them all those powerful lessons that they learned as athletes going forward. Uh, so when you talk about best practices, I talk about Barry Wartman. And I think it's also worth noticing that Barry Wartman, the everything he does that a lot of coaches should learn from, uh, you go to a JV game uh, any given night at, at Blackman High School, and you're going to find Barry Wartman on the bench. And guess what? He's not always the head coach. Very often, Barry Wartman is doing the associate's job. He's, he's logging timeouts. He's letting someone else be the head coach. Uh, he's doing all the little things that you have to do as you're kind of climbing the ladder. And when people become the head coach, they want to quit doing those things, right? That's, that, they, they don't want to be bothered by that. Barry stays in touch with that. And he rotates his coaches around. 
uh, the level of trust that creates and the level of respect that creates. Um, you know, I, I did. I don't think I talked to any other coach who does things quite that way. Um, so, you know, Barry Wartman is one person I would point to as a, a real model. Um, you know, best practices too also go to an athletic director I interviewed. The only the only AD I talked to by the name of Pam Boser in Ohio. And the thing that Pam talked, and the reason I included her is I actually interviewed her coach, uh, Ali Kenyard, who was uh, the field hockey coach. Ali was brought in to resurrect a field hockey program uh, that was dead, basically. Uh, the, the high school, uh, Lancaster High School, is east of Cincinnati. Uh, it's in the Appalachian region. So it's, it's uh, I don't know if I'd call it high poverty, but it's certainly not a well-to-do area. And when, when Allie took that program over, I mean, they were bad. I mean, bad, right? But Allie had this way of seeing the best. And I remember when we, I was interviewing her, um, you know, she said, you know, the first year, yeah, we, you know, we, we didn't win any games. Uh, but you know what? I had 11 girls. I never had a parent complain about playing time, right? I mean, how wonderful is that? You know, it's, it's, it's easy to look at the negative, but Allie's like, all right, we're not going to win any games, but my goodness, every girl here is going to get to play. And what Allie succeeded at was developing these little goals along the way, right? So let's say we play this team and says, hey, we lose by 15 goals. Well, you know, our goal next time we play them is to lose by 10. That's success. That's taking steps forward. They didn't win a game for three years. Three years, but they kept taking those steps. Now, Lancaster High School is not known as a field hockey powerhouse today, but no one walks into that stadium thinking they're coming out with an easy win. They're over 500. They play everybody tough, even much better funded schools with much more talented players. No one comes out of that stadium unscathed. Allie got to that point because Pam, her AD, knew what mattered. She knew that to build to rebuild that program required someone being able to come in, set those little goals, build those relationships, and, and not listen to the parents who were complaining about losing. And she was committed to them. And Pam told a story about her second year when the superintendent of the school came to her and said, when they were losing yet again, you want to tell me why we have a, a field hockey team? And without missing a beat, Pam turned around and said, for the same reason you have a football team, it's not about wins and losses. It's about building, building young men and women for tomorrow. And she had Allie's back the entire way. Now, I realize, you know, it's, it's not always easy. There's all kinds of pressures that coaches face. But for ADs, look, when you've got someone good, stay with them. Mm -hmm. Stay with them. You got to believe in them. You got to have their back when the critics come, and they're gonna come. Uh, so that's that's one person I would I would refer to. When I talk about best practices, that's an individual I, I think a lot about. Um, there are a lot of others out there. Um, I would think another person I would talk about is Luis Gonzalez uh, at uh, was it San Fernando High School in California. Uh, wrestling coach. He wrestled in high school. He went on to UC Berkeley, uh, did his undergraduate work, uh, wrestled on the club team there, came back to San Fernando, mostly Hispanic high school. Um, and when he got back and started coaching, uh, um, there was always two or three girls who wanted to coach, to, to wrestle. 
And he was, he went to the head coach and was like, what do I do with these people? And he said, it's wrestling, right? You teach them to wrestle. It's just wrestling. Well, more and more women kept coming out. And at first, you know, he said, you know, my paternalistic instincts kicked in. I was worried about boys taking advantage of them, maybe touching them inappropriately, those kinds of things. He said he figured out pretty quickly, these, these young women can take care of themselves. And so at a certain point, about a year, and he quit looking at them as women wrestlers. And he just began to see them as wrestlers and began to treat them that way. And more and more women came. And now they had California sanctioned women's wrestling, I think in 2014. But over a period of about 14 years, he kept building this powerhouse program in Southern California. I don't know how many sectional championships this women's wrestling team has won. But again, the girls' families buy in, the, the girls are all into this, the boys all go and support them. Uh, in terms of winning the state titles, they're actually outstripping the boys at this point in terms of actual numbers of titles won. Again, it's about getting beyond yourself and seeing the potential and seeing what's there and allowing these kids to do what they do. Um, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. And those are just three of the really incredible people that I've had the good fortune of talking to. Oh, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, great stories. And uh, if I was picking out some of my uh, you know, favorites from the book, uh, you know, I, I would have chosen uh, a couple of those as well. Uh, again, for our listeners, uh, the book is 30 Days with America's High School Coaches. Martin Davis is the author. It's on Amazon. Uh, Martin, this has been really cool, uh, you know, spending some time with you, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always wrap up with the Athletic Director's Toolbox. Now, you're not an AD, but you've certainly been around the world of athletics for a long time. Uh, and when we come back, uh, we're going to take a quick break and hear from uh, Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack, who sponsor our AD toolbox section. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot and challenge you to send out a brand new athletic director, or we could say coach on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. So let's hear from athletic surveys by Lifetrack. And when we come back, we're going to find out what uh, Martin Davis is going to put in his athletic director toolbox. Please stay with us. We want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack for sponsoring the Athletic Director Toolbox segment of the podcast. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack are a quick, easy, and affordable way to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack also gives the 95% of the players and parents who really love your program a voice and helps them demonstrate the importance that a positive athletic experience has for them. Go to athleticsurveys.com and check out their testimonials and then give them a call at 1-800-738-6466 or you can email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student athletes, you're really missing out. Talk to the folks at Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and let them show you how to take your athletic program from good to great. Hey, we're back, everyone, with our guest today, Martin Davis, the author of 30 Days with America's High School Coaches, a great book that's available on Amazon. But uh, right now, Martin, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Um, you know, we're going to ask you to send out a brand new athletic director, or we could say coach, 
uh, on the very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Martin Davis's athletic director toolbox? Well, you do like to put people in the hot seat, don't you? Uh, <laughs> uh, you're right. I'm not, I'm, I, you know, I've, I've never seen this world from the AD seat, uh, but I'm going to give the ADs the coach's perspective of what they would want uh, and for them to come to the table. Um, and so I think the first thing I would say that an AD needs is time. And when I talk about time, of course, there's the, all the hours you have to put in to do the things that you have to do your job. And I think most important is to carve out time just to listen to your coaches. Um, don't always have a formal meeting. Just hit them up via text and say, what's up? What's happening? Um, and as a part of that time, learning to really listen carefully. One of the things that I learned as a journalist that has served me well my entire life is that the most important interviewing skill you have is the art of listening. Let your people talk. They have to get comfortable before they open up to you. Give them time, give them space to get comfortable with you. Um, and, and, and trust me, they will open up to you. They will start to talk to you, but you gotta give, you gotta create the time to do it. Um, you know, so that's the first tool I would give you. I think the second tool I would uh, give you is to give your coaches room to fail. Um, look, we all fail. Um, I've done a lot of things in my life. Some of them I've done well, some of them I've not done well, but we all fail, right? Um, pointing back to the story I had my first week coaching. I mean, on some levels, if I were to do that today, yeah, you should probably fire me. Um, because I should know better at this stage of my life and, and you know, my coaching life, right? But making that mistake for the first time, I was given room to fail. And I wasn't lectured about it, but I was, you know, told the positive outcomes that came from that. And from that, you began to sit back. And if you're, if you have any reflectivity to you at all as a human being, you know, you realize when you make a mistake and you realize that there are better ways to get to that goal than blowing up in front of 60 young men on a hot day. So give your coaches room to fail. Don't chastise them necessarily. Now, obviously, there are hard lines that can't be crossed. And, that's a different scenario. But for most people, you've got to give them room to fail um, and make it okay. You know, it's just part of life. We all fail. But the last thing I would ask that ADs give coaches is respect. Um, we are in a society right now where respect is not high on many people's priorities. Um, one of the things that I love about my job, my day job, um, you know, I get to put people on the spot all the time. Um, and I have to ask people very hard questions. And sometimes people in power, very hard questions that they don't want to ask. And it's very easy to get cynical very quickly. But whenever I go into those conversations, I always go in with, a com with an air of respect, even when I think the people are profoundly wrong. Or if I suspect they're even doing things illegally. And I have to confront them about that. I always do it from a position of respect because at the end of the day, they're the ones who have to be accountable for what they're doing, not you. And 
when you show that respect, they're going to give that respect back. Um, and so for what they're worth, they're not profound. Um, you know, um, they're not things that are going to blow anyone's world away. But I think those are three things that are incredibly difficult to master. And so work on those things. Those are three tools that will serve you well. Oh, absolutely. Great, great tools. And uh, when you're talking about your final tool, you know, give respect to your coaches. I, I think that kind of goes back to the theme that you'd mentioned earlier about uh, the coach uh, having the kids, the players back and the AD having the coaches back. Great, great stuff. Thanks so much for sharing. Uh, Martin, we did this once, but let's do it again. Uh, if one of our listeners wanted to reach out, pick your brain, uh, as well as order the book, uh, how do they do that? Uh, so to order the book, amazon.com, 30 days with America's high school coaches, it'll pop right up. Um, if you want to contact me, and I would love to hear from you, two ways. Uh, the best way is uh, uh, probably via email, uh, mdavisfreelance at gmail.com. That's all one word, F-R-E-E-L-A-N-C-E, -E -E, freelance. Um, and then on Twitter, I'm on Twitter. I'm not there every day. I'm not a Twitterholic. Uh, but I, you know, I'm there every couple of days. Uh, shoot me a DM, uh, Martin D. Author. Uh, that's my uh, Twitter handle. And, you know, I'll usually get back to you within 24 hours. All right. Martin Davis, uh, coach, uh, podcaster, and author, 30 Days with America's High School Coaches. Thanks so much for being on the podcast and all the best moving forward. Thank you so much, Jake, and good luck to you and your new book coming out. Look forward to reading it. Oh, thanks a lot. Uh, and you're going to be in it. Uh, for our listeners, remember the Zoom recordings of all of these interviews get uploaded to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you listening today. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to thank Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. You can find out more about what Hometown Ticketing can do for you and your program by going to hometownticketing.com and talk to their experts. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Thanks again for listening to the Educational AD Podcast. I want to thank all of our sponsors, Final Forms, Sideline Interactive, Huddle, Hometown Ticketing, Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack, and Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. We couldn't do this without their support. Uh, come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Thank you.